there, beautiful people. Welcome to the Migrant Warriors podcast, a podcast dedicated to inspire and encourage you to experience a deeper intimacy with God and to be transformed by His Word in your everyday life. I'm your host, Colette Correa, and I'm happy you can tune in. Today, in episode three, I'm going to talk about life priorities. Our lives are very precious, and if you are breathing right now, you are alive. This is a gift. But what are you doing with your life? Let's take a little pause right now and let's get right into it. beautiful people, how are you doing today? I hope you're doing well and living life to the full. I'm doing well and really excited to be here with you. Welcome to the Mighty Warriors podcast. Today, I want to talk about life and evaluate together if we are living meaningful lives. I'm going to share a lot of passages of scriptures today, so If you're at home, get a notepad and a pen so you can look up all those passages I'm going to share. If you're driving or jogging or simply unable to write at this time, I'd encourage you to listen to this episode again later on to jot down all those scriptural references. This year has been a very interesting year for everybody. And while a lot of people would probably say that the coronavirus has impacted them more than anything, as far as I'm concerned, I got a reality check from the very beginning of the year, over 10 months ago. One day, late in the evening, before going to bed, I decided to do something I usually prefer not to do before going to bed, and it was to check on the news. Somehow, I wanted to check on the news because I was feeling a little bit out of touch and hadn't checked on the news for a while, so I decided to go to news outlets and uh, boom, right there in big letters, the headline. Kobe Bryant dead, in very large letters. I gasped and quickly focused on the headline and clicked to watch the video that was posted. I couldn't believe it. You know, I love sports in general, but to be honest, I wasn't particularly a basketball fan, but I loved Kobe Bryant. He seemed to be a gentle kind of man. So I kept saying to myself, why Kobe, why, why Kobe? He was at the prime of his life, and so why should he die so young, I thought. I was disappointed, shocked, and suddenly, as I paused, I got gripped with the sense of fear that death was nearer than I thought. My imagination started to get embellished with dramatic scenarios of how I too would die. Because he died in a helicopter accident, I started to think about the recent flight I had taken back from France, and I imagined the plane getting turbulent and then crashing. I wondered if in my last minutes I would scream, pray, or simply hold my breath and tightly hold on to my seat like I had often done before when I had been on turbulent flights. Then I abruptly stopped. I arrested my thoughts And then reality hit me. Everybody is going to die. It was a somber thought. Because to be honest with you, when do we ever think about death? Whenever a friend or relative passes away. 
So I started to think about friends and family members and I pondered how devastating it would be to receive the news that so-and-so was dead. As the journalist was talking in the background, my thoughts were miles away and a picture came to mind. It was my kettle whistling and the vapor coming out of it. The vapor that was here one moment and gone the next. At that moment, I remembered the passage of scripture from the book of James, chapter 4, verses 13 through 14 in the New Testament, which says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Beloved ones, we are not promised tomorrow. What we have is today. My friend, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your today? This is a question that I have asked myself not just 10 months ago, but nearly every day. The coronavirus pandemic has put me on this alert that I do not know if I will be here tomorrow. So I have asked myself day after day, what are you going to do with your today? And at the end of the day, I've asked myself, what have I done with my today? There is a parable in the New Testament in the Gospel of Luke that helps us grasp what is most important in life. But first, let me define what is a parable for those of you who might have never heard that term before. A parable is an allegory. It is a comparison of two things done through a story that has two meanings. When Jesus would speak to crowds, he would often speak in parables, sharing earthly stories to teach heavenly truths. So this parable in Luke chapter 12 verses 13 through 21 describes the futility of our dependence on our wealth. And I'd like for you to take a listen as I read. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grains. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. This man was very ambitious. Can you see that? He had great plans for himself. He had great plans for his future. He was about to build greater and larger barns to store up his wealth. Please note the words that he used. My crops, my barns, my surplus grain. And then he went on to say, I will tear down. I will store. I'll say to myself. But in the end, it turned out to be in vain. Because as explained in this passage, all his life, he had been rich for himself 
but had never been rich toward God. What does it mean to be rich toward God? Number one, being rich toward God means that you know God. You have a personal relationship with God. I'm not talking about knowing about Him, but knowing Him out of a personal relationship. Let's think about it from a practical perspective. How do you get to know people on a day-to-day basis? Well, you have two options. You can listen to someone tell you everything you need to know about that person, or you can get to know that person yourself. I think that the latter is a better option. One of the great things about getting to know God through the Bible is that He tells us about Himself through the Scriptures. And on top of that, you get to read about people who experienced Him and walked with Him. And finally, as you experience life, if you are open to let God be part of your life, you can get to experience Him in the same way or even in a greater way than those biblical characters did. Number two, being rich toward God means that you nurture that relationship with God. For example, I have very close friends and the way that I nurture my relationship with them is that I spend time with them. I call them, I write them, I text them. Although my preference is usually to talk over the phone or connect through FaceTime or meet them in person by going out to eat or, you know, going out to drink coffee or something like that. So just as we nurture valuable earthly relationships, so should we be spending time with God. So engaging God in conversation through prayer is a very good way to nurture your relationship with Him as you pray, pause, listen, and wait to hear from Him. Nurturing a relationship also involves developing trust. You cannot be in a relationship with God and not trust Him. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. There is another passage that comes from Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, and it says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its root by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I love the picture that this passage of Scripture gives us because it tells us that when we trust in God, we remain fresh and strong. Here is a tree that is beside the waters, and that water represents living water that comes from God. When we get nourished through His Word, when we place our trust in Him, even in the midst of drought and the heat of the battle, we remain fresh and fruitful. It's easy to usually trust someone when everything is going well, but hard times come to everyone. And it is in those times that our need to trust God will be even more important. But here is this picture of that tree, that person that holds on to God, that trusts God. Their leaves will never wither. They will remain fresh and strong in the Lord as they hold on to Him and His Word and His promises. And that is a beautiful picture for us to see if we're really trusting in the Lord. Number three, being rich toward God means that you value what God values. One way to show love to others is to show interest in what they're interested about. 
As you discover who God is, discovering what he values will become very important. While we human beings tend to often focus externally, God values what is in our hearts. When the prophet Samuel went to Jesse's house to anoint one of his sons as king of Israel, he saw the first son and assumed he was the one. But here is what God said to him, as we read in the book of Samuel, chapter 16, verse 7, in the Old Testament. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, in the New Testament, Jesus brings that to our attention by saying, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. God is most interested in our character. He holds us to a higher standard. In fact, we read in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 8 and 9 in the Old Testament, that his thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither are his ways our ways. And as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. This is God's standard. What else does God value? In the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8, in the Old Testament, we read that God requires that we act justly, we love mercy, and walk humbly with him. Being generous towards those who are poor, showing compassion for the oppressed and the marginalized are things that he highly values as well as taking care of the orphans and the widows. Here's what we read in the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, verses 8 through 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the right of the poor and needy. My friends, when we place God as the priority in our lives, it means that we are committed to set our selfish desires and distractions aside and focus our attention on the greatest commandment, as we are told in the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 30 through 31, which says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Being rich toward God means that you know God. You have a personal relationship with God. You nurture that relationship with Him. And you value what God values. I'd like to share a couple passages of scriptures for us to meditate on as we evaluate our priorities and work at aligning ourselves with priorities that honor God and those around us, which will come full circle and then bless us in the end. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And then, 
There is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, which says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And finally, there is Colossians chapter 3, verses 23, which says, And whatever you do, do it heartedly, as to the Lord and not to men. Friends, how many people could this rich man have fed and helped with all his grains? But all he was focused on was to hoard it for himself. If you would have asked him who is the most important person in your life, he would probably have said, the most important person is me, myself, and I. Mighty warriors, many, many people are squandering their time, their gifts, their resources on frivolities that have no lasting value. How are you using your time, your gifts, your talents, your resources, your riches? Are you doing something today that God values, that has eternal significance? Listen, we would do well to develop a relationship with God, nurture that relationship, and finally value what He values because if you really love Him, you will obey His commands. Obeying His commandments will not be a burden but a joy. One thing I'd like to do before we part I'd like to ask you a very crucial question. Do you want to have a personal, intimate relationship with God? If your answer is yes, I want to share four important things with you that you need to understand before you take that step towards being reconciled to God. Number one, we are all sinners by nature and by choice. I'm sure it's not taking you by surprise. You know that. You and I are guilty. There's not one human being who is perfect. Our relationship with God is broken and severed because He is good and He is a holy God who cannot look upon sin and see that as acceptable even though He loves us. So, as with every broken relationship, before you can move forward, you have to talk about what went wrong and you have to acknowledge that the wrong has been committed. The Bible reveals to us in the book of Romans chapter 3 verses 23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's standard is perfection, holiness, but all of us have missed the mark. When we compare ourselves with one another, we tend to feel a little better about ourselves because we think, well, I'm not so much of a sinner as this person or I'm much better than they are in this area. But on the day of judgment, God will not compare us to one another. He will compare us to a higher standard and that higher standard is himself. He will compare us to his holiness, his perfection. This, my friend, is the bad news. We are all sinners by nature and by choice, and sin separates us from God. The good news, however, is that God is merciful, and He provided a way for us so we wouldn't be eternally separated from Him because of our sins. And this brings me to point number two. Number two, God gives us eternal life as a free gift. 
We learn from Romans chapter 6 verse 23 about the consequences of sin, but we are also told about the remedy. Here is what it says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin is so serious to God that he demands a death sentence. This is a choice we've made. All of us choose to sin and the consequence leads to death. This is our wage. But Jesus suffered and died on the cross to pay for that wage of sin. It is said in scripture that he cried out, it is finished, meaning that the debt for the payment for our sins had been paid. This is wonderful news. We no longer have to be separated from God, but we are reconciled to God the Father through Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for the sins of humanity. This is in fact the most beautiful story ever told, that God would give his very life for his creation. A lot of people sometimes love to be spiritual and prefer to try to pray, try to fast, try to give everything they have to the poor in order to earn this gift of forgiveness. But it is a free gift from God. Listen what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. God's most beautiful gift to us is His forgiveness. When it is so undeserved, all of us deserve to be separated from God because we have sinned against Him. But in His love and His grace and mercy, He extends forgiveness. Not by works, but again, through His grace, it is a gift from God. Number three, God loves us. God loves you and wants you to have eternal life. Here is what it says in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Then there is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, which says, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. These are beautiful passages of scriptures because they tell us about God's love towards us and His provision for our redemption. Did you hear what I just read? God loves you. God loves me. God loves us us and gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I had to say it again, because a lot of people out there try to earn God's love by praying um, a surmountable amount of prayers, by fasting, by giving to the poor, by, by doing all kinds of things. And yet, at the end of the day, when all of that is done, they still are unsure where their soul will go when they die. They are trembling in fear, wondering if what they are doing is enough to be accepted and loved. But God loves us so much that He provided a way for us to be reconciled back to Him through Jesus Christ. Number four, we must be born again and trust in Jesus by surrendering to Him and following Him. In the book of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, there is a man named Nicodemus who comes to Jesus. He wants to know more. And in his discussion with Jesus, he tells him, Teacher, we know that you come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are performing unless God were to be with him. And Jesus gets right into the nitty-gritty of things. Jesus tells him that he has to be born again. And Nicodemus is a little bit puzzled because he wonders, well, does it mean that I have to get into my mother's womb again to be born again? But Jesus helps him understand that he's talking about spiritual birth, how his dead spirit needs to be born again. So just like Nicodemus, some of you might be interested to know more about God and want to grow into a personal relationship with him. Well, what God requires is that we be born again. Our spirit cannot discern spiritual things unless our spirit is born again. As the conversation continues between Jesus and Nicodemus, he helps him understand that he is the one that is going to be a sacrifice that God sent into the world because he loves the world and he wants them, he wants the world to be saved through him. And so he helps him understand that being born again involves believing in him so that they can be made new and born again spiritually through him. Surrendering your life to Jesus is a commitment. The Bible tells us that whoever wants to be Jesus' disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow him. Following Jesus is not a call for a life of comfort, but a life of dying to your selfish desires, selfish priorities, walking through the narrow path, because wide and broad is the path that leads to destruction. And most unfortunately, many enter through it. When you surrender your life to God by repenting, receiving that gift of forgiveness, getting baptized, receiving the Holy Spirit to live and dwell inside of you, God will guide you through life. This is what it says in His Word. Your life will change from the inside out. My friend, take the narrow path, surrender your life to Jesus, and become his follower.
Find a quiet place where you can pray and surrender to God. Heavenly Father, giver of life, we are reminded in Acts chapter 17 verses 24 through 28 that you are the God who made the world and everything in it is yours. You are the Lord of heaven and earth. You do not live in temples built by human hands and you are not served by human hands as if you needed anything. Rather, you yourself give everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, you made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And you marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God, you did this so that we humans would seek you and perhaps reach out for you and find you, though you are not far from any of us. For in you we live and move and have our being. My prayer today is for the listeners that they would live their lives wholeheartedly as unto you and not as unto men. For those who do not know you yet and still are listening with a great desire to know you, I pray you reveal yourself to them through dreams, through visions, through your word as they read the Bible, through this podcast, through whatever mean you find necessary for them to come to the full knowledge of who you are so that they may accept that gift of forgiveness through Messiah Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray you direct our steps, quicken us to remember that our days are counted so we may live prudent lives and make choices that have eternal value in your kingdom. Oh, Father, I do earnestly pray for the salvation of those who are listening and who do not know you. I urge you, Father, to convict their hearts that they would turn away from their evil pleasures and that they would seek to live a life that pleases you and honors you. Help us live our lives wisely as if this very day is our very last day. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Mighty Warriors, thank you so very much for joining us today. Stay tuned to hear following episodes where we will continue to encourage you to experience a deeper intimacy with God and to be transformed by His Word in your everyday life. Also, I'd like to ask you to stop by Apple Podcasts to rate and review the Mighty Warriors podcast. Positive reviews are greatly appreciated. All right, friends, I look forward to talking to you in our next episode. And so take good care. Bye now. Bye.